Play Wax 904 Stand presents up. This Week in North Florida Lacrosse. Brought to you by First Coast Crush Lacrosse, Cantina Louie, Derek Prince Realtor, and M Shack on 1010XL. Now here's your host, Ray Carnicelli. Greetings and welcome to This Week in North Florida Lacrosse. I am Ray Carnicelli with special in-studio guests, Matt Kerwick and Chris Milo. Big week of lacrosse we had this week. Last night, Johns Hopkins in Jacksonville. 12-7 to was the final with the Blue Jays coming out on top. We also had Flagler College in action this week, so we'll recap that thrilling game. A one-goal loss, Flagler fell to Embry-Riddle. But we're going to jump right into the action this morning with us on the air is the head coach of the JU Dolphins, John Galloway. Coach Galloway, how are you this morning? I'm doing well, Ray. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Well, no, thank you. It was a long day and a long night, and uh, I know uh, you know there's some disappointment, but your team came out and looked great in the first half. Second half, uh, you know, it was face-offs and not a lot of possession. What was your message to the team after the game? Yeah, you know, uh, a lot of that shared sentiment. Um, but my biggest message was I'm, I'm incredibly proud of, of the toughness that we showed. I, I was um, not expecting to play that much defense and, and for the guys to, to play as physically as they did. We didn't convert every stop, but to put the ball in the deck as much as we did. And, um, you know, I, I honestly believe that we are better right now than we were this game last year. I just also think Johns Hopkins was as well. And I thought they played a really good brand of lacrosse. Their spacing was fantastic. And um, there's a lot to walk away and be proud of. And um, the good news is that there's a lot of games left and we're a better team today because of playing that game last night. You know, every year you turn over players and you've got to find who's who's going to show up on game day. And, you know, going in, I was, I was a little surprised. There was a lot of guys that I didn't know, and that's a testament to the depth of your roster. Your second midfielders were very young. They played a lot. Uh, you had some some guys running in at LSM that haven't had a lot of experience, and you know I mentioned I think it was two weeks ago when when Quint Kessenick was on the show that this team is going to be so much better in a month. Uh, it's just a, not a lot of game experience for some key positions. Talk to me about the development of the young players and uh, that path. Yeah, yeah, the, the you know the freshmen at the midfield that you mentioned have been uh, such a breath of fresh air. I mean, guys like Gavin Angel and Jack Taylor, and Nikki Brown. I played a lot of meaningful minutes for us last night, and that was their first college game. Just ha- just so happened to be, you know, seven o'clock under the lights against Johns Hopkins, and I thought they made some pretty spectacular plays, and 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 a lot of plays that they like to have back, and that was expected. Um, but this is a game of mistakes, and I was really proud of how they reacted. And and then the you know the pole position, as you mentioned, again we've we faced some adversity. We've had some injuries. We've we've had to move guys' positions, and you know for Aaron Toguri, who's a freshman, you know, he's 18 years old, and and for Connor McDonald, who hasn't played a ton of minutes for us. Uh, has been injured, uh, really had his first full practice last Thursday. For them to come back and, and play the minutes they did against the returning veteran group uh, of Johns Hopkins, uh, again, I, I don't want to I don't want to paint a silver lining too often. There's a lot that we need to get better at, but shoot, I, I, I can work with the toughness that I thought our guys, you know, showed showcased last night. Coach Matt Kerwick here. It was uh, great to watch the guys play last night. I thought the the Smith brothers uh, did really well for you. I thought uh, Brendan Galloway. Uh, really showed some great stuff for you guys. And, and what are a couple of the focuses for you this week in improving to get ready for Duke? 
Yeah, I think, you know, ultimately, you know, we have to capitalize on our offensive possessions and sometimes the faceoff game isn't going to go your way. And, and while, we, while it didn't last night for us, the, the possessions that we did have, we just have to value a little bit more and, you know, not, not worry about squeezing our sticks, wondering whether or not we're going to get the ball back. And uh, defensively, I think we just have to provide a little bit more support. I do think we have some really good on-ball defenders that we often ask a lot of, but we have to be ready to support those guys as well. And, and as you mentioned, I thought Davis Smith uh, did a hell of a job against a really quick attackman in Angeles and, um, you know, played really meaningful minutes for us. And, you know, the, the veteran group on the offense and, you know, hopefully you get some pieces back and, and you get ready to, to get back to the drawing board. But uh, I, I walked in the office this morning excited, excited about the pieces we have, you know, not wondering about what's next, but wondering about, you know, how we can take the next step as a group this afternoon. Coach, sometimes when you see a goalie make a bunch of saves, you wonder if the if the team is shooting the goalie hot or if the goalie is just really hot. And it seemed like there were a lot of low shots that uh, Marcel just ate up, didn't give up a lot of rebounds. Was it a uh, shooting, great goalie, or a little bit of combination? Yeah, it was a combination. You know, he made some spectacular saves on us high in the first half, and you know, specifically one at the at the end of the quarter that resulted immediately in a goal the other way. So that's that's the, the dangerous game you play when you shoot high. And, you know, I, I agree with you. And when we put the ball in the dirt, I thought he was really explosive. I mean, at the end of the day, I thought he played great. I mean, he, he had some spectacular saves. And, and so did Luke. Uh, I, I think both goalies played well last night. But, you know, um, I just felt like, you know, the kid Marcio made some timely saves in moments when we were trying to make a run. You, you look back and, you know, if that shot with Brandon Galloway stepping down with time and room goes in, does that – you know, it's a two-goal swing, you know, and, and you can look back at a lot of those moments. And uh, ultimately, sometimes you run into a hot goalie. I thought he played really well last night. You know, from our vantage point, I thought he stole some. And you know, we have to do a better job being deceptive as shooters, and, and that's something we'll look at. But um, when you look at the shot chart that, that we post, I mean, I think you, sometimes you feel something during the game versus what you actually see on film, and we'll be able to be, you know, a- analyze that this week. Coach Kerwick and I were having a debate on the way in uh, whether you watched the film already. I said, no, you probably got a bite to eat and, and relax. And, and Kerwick was like, no, he definitely watched the film. So can you answer for us? Have you watched the film? Yeah, you know, I watched <sighs> it last night, which is, uh, you know, as Coach Kerwick will tell you, sometimes it's the healthiest thing you can do because you, you won't sleep without being able to see it. So, you know, we'll rewatch it again today and, and, and reanalyze it with the whole staff as statted it and and now we'll meet this morning and, and just discuss on what we can do better and um ultimately though I, I i just sometimes it's it's jimmies and joes and 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 i really like our jimmies and joes and i i get that the, the result wasn't what we wanted but um the guys in the locker room you know there's a lot of tears last night and you know as i drove home i thought man if if, if you told me seven years ago that you know people were going to be upset that that we lost to johns hopkins on on game one and uh you know without a few key few contributors um, shoot, I, I might take that, and uh, and I'm excited for the expectations and the standards to be a lot higher around this building going into this Sunday afternoon. Coach, the the riding game in the first half was incredible. I thought the guys were battling really hard, and you scored two or three goals off the ride. So you got to be really happy with that, and I'm sure you're going to take that to the next one. But um, you know, the the clear for Hopkins in the second half, they were 100, percent and they were about 50 percent in the first half. So I thought that was a big key, but. You guys really rode hard, and obviously, hopefully, that's going to continue. Yeah, yeah, I think it's part of our identity, and you know, I thought we asked a lot of those three guys, and they made some plays that did result in offense for us. And um, we actually, you know, we tried to turn up the heat even more in the second half, and I, I thought they did a good job with their poise and and, and executing the clear and, and doing a good job getting the ball up and out right away versus you know moving the ball laterally, which allowed us to get some of those turnovers. So again, we can 
take a good look at that and, 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 you know, be a little bit more critical about how we substitute, especially on that part of the game and, you know, prevent giving up goals, uh, which is such a backbreaker, as you know. And, um, but I will say, you know, for us, I was really proud of how we cleared as well, you know, especially early games, early season. You know, I look back at last year's stats, we had nine turnovers in the clear. Uh, last night we had three. And, and for us, I think that's a huge improvement. Now, now can we build off of that? Can we, can we stack some victories next week against obviously uh, another really tough opponent at our place? Coach, the the scene at JU last night, I've been to almost all the home games since uh, day one. I think I missed two. But it was wild. It was intense. People had a blast. I ran into some people after the game, some old Armadillo Navy guys from the 70s and 80s that hadn't been to too many games, and they were just in shock at the, the scene. One of the best environments in Division One lacrosse, in my opinion. Yeah, Ray, I appreciate that, and, and I have to thank our administration for allowing us to to dream a little bit bigger about what we wanted the beach party to look like. And, and that's exactly what you felt last night. Student section, you know, having one of the fraternities on campus out here tailgating and, and the Armadillos and the Florida Lacrosse League and the folks in the bleachers. I mean, it was, I, I told the guys, take a minute before the first whistle and just take it all in because there's not many atmospheres like this. I can count on my hand, uh, my, my two hands, how many games I had like that under the lights, you know, one of them being a, a Hobart game and, you know, a Cornell game, but it just doesn't happen very often in our sport. And uh, again, the, the outcome wasn't what we wanted, but that's going to be a memory that our guys have for a long time. And hopefully a lot of kids in North Florida have and, you know, motivate them to want to play college across down the road. Your relationship with Coach Donowski, having been on his staff, and I know the respect you have for him going into Duke. And Duke is scary to me because hearing him speak about last season and moving on, it's almost like they're on a uh, vengeance tour. And tell me about what, what you see in, in Duke and what you expect from uh, Coach Donowski, because I think they are on a mission. Yeah, they're a scary group. They're an angry group. Uh, there's no doubt about it. And uh, Coach Donowski, nobody nobody motivates better than him. So uh, you saw it yesterday. You know, I think they opened up you know 10 to 0 before Bellarmine got on the board. And um, you know, that they have a group of guys athletically that, you know, is going to be imposing on us. And, you know, the good news is for us, we're going to be pissed as well. I think we're going to be motivated this week by falling short last night. And, uh, we have a group of guys who are really disappointed in, in the outcome last night. So, um, there's no doubt about it. Duke is Duke. We're not going to sugarcoat that, but at the same time, we need to, we need to rally around our, our, you know, our, our soldiers and understand that our expectations are greater as well. So it's going to be a really cool opportunity for us. And, fortunate to have six days to, to dive into the film and, and figure out some plans to, to try to foil what I think is the best player in the country and Brendan O'Neill and um, start to identify our strengths and, and how we can improve on some of our weaknesses. Well, Coach, it was an exciting game to call and the environment to be at, and I know that your team is better for having gone through that experience, and Hopkins is, uh, is, is much better than they were last year, in my opinion. But thank you so much for taking the time this morning, and we'll see you again uh, same time, same place next week. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for being there last night. We'll see you soon. That was Coach John Galloway of the JU Dolphins. I want to thank our sponsors, the M Shack, First Coast Crush Lacrosse, Cantina Louie, and Derek Prince Realtor. So, Coach, quick, before we go to break, uh, just coming in and being on the radio after a game like that, you just I, hands down to Coach Galloway. He, he never says no. Yeah. I, mean, I don't think he loves it. Well, I mean, of course you don't it, after a tough – tough loss for your team but um he he's, he does it the right way right he, he he understands that this is a community here and, and what's been built and he's a huge part of building that so it's uh it's really neat for him to come on and, and he's always brutally honest about it which is uh, so impressive for a for a young coach so uh good for him
Well, we're going to go ahead and take a break. We've got a great show ahead of us. We're going to talk a little bit more about this this game, uh, Flagler-Embry-Riddle. Paul Carcaterra of ESPN, one of my favorites, uh, will will join us uh, later on in the show to talk Division One men's lacrosse in general and a uh, little look at Hopkins versus, excuse me, Duke versus Jacksonville next week. You're listening to This Week in Lax 904 on 1010XL. <laughs> This week in North Florida lacrosse on 1010XL. Welcome back to This Week in North Florida Lacrosse. This week in LAX 904. I know I go back and forth and drives uh, Christopher here crazy. but It drives me insane. Well, <laughs> it's a short trip for you. Chris Milo's in the studio with us. This is Coach Kerwick. So, Matt... Uh, you know, we talked a little bit about the scene last night, and you know, you had referenced uh, game one against North Carolina. There were about four thousand people there back in two thousand and ten, but it was a day game. Um, that the whole setting last night was pretty unique. I mean, you've been around the block uh, a few times at college lacrosse. <laughs> Is there many scenes like that? I, I was blown away. I, I got to be honest, just to see the whole the whole setup there and. The music was pumping early, and um, just just the the number of people that are out from the community and and seeing the kids running around in in the bleachers, you know, from from town here, it was it was awesome. The whole scene was great, and obviously, uh, Jay, you wished for a little bit better outcome, but the, the game was outstanding as well. It was intense. It was guys flying around up and down, and just uh, overall, it was just a, a great great experience. So, Christopher, you know. If- you're, you were involved in getting the Florida Lacrosse League crossover jamboree mm-hmm. uh, on campus yesterday, and I caught up with Danny Hogan, and everyone was thrilled. You know, guys getting the chance to play on the turf field and the three games going on simultaneously, and there's games again over there today. Uh, talk to me about the, the Florida Lacrosse League experience there at JU and the tailgate and all of that good stuff. So I pretty much talked to every team, the Open Division, the Masters Division guys, and everybody was extremely excited about the chance to play. How many teams were there between the two groups? Uh, so there's five uh, Masters Division teams, and there was, ten, I think it's eight or nine uh, Open Division teams. Okay. But we had a couple of uh, teams drop out at the last second. They just couldn't get enough guys to travel. So, you know, 20, 20 guys, per give team. or take, per team, and that many teams that, that added to the festivities and, uh, you know, a lot of lacrosse junkies in town yesterday. Yeah, we had a great tailgate. Everybody came out. We had people that weren't even a part of the Florida Lacrosse League come and hang out and just kind of ask what was going on and where do we get all these guys to come from. And it was a fantastic time, and hopefully Coach Galloway has us back next year. When you look at the the game on the field, we talked to Coach a little bit about it, but, you know, Jacob Greiner was, uh, you know, a bright spot with his two goals. Coach Kerwick, you mentioned Brandon Galloway with his hat trick, and then Entriere and Dylan Watson, uh, you know, adding goals. It was the first goal as a JU Dolphin for Watson, and the same thing for uh, Galloway, the, the two transfers. But, Coach, first of all, tell me about Galloway's game, Brandon Galloway. Well, he's he's very athletic young man. He You know, he plays both ends of the field. He runs the field very well. Um, he he sometimes held it a little bit long for, for my liking I drive into the cage but uh, but he got there and he probably had five or six really good looks at the goal and, and scored three so he was a he was a very much a bright spot athletic um, obviously very tough and and so I thought I thought again um, Davis Smith as well uh, on defense did a really good job on an excellent attackman and 
Um, remember him from from years ago. I coached him in a, in a summer tournament, and he is he's kind of a lockdown guy and unassuming, but but can can take take away a good attackman. So I, I, I got, thought there were some bright spots for sure. I got to tell you, coming in the close defense was a concern of mine, and it's not a concern anymore. Uh, honestly, like when you look at Heed and Smith. Uh, they both played very, very well, and Hedinger was very impressive as well. So I don't think you know the t- troubles Ju had didn't necessarily start with the close defense. The defensive middies struggled a little bit. There was some slipping and sliding, and you and I talked about on the broadcast. There wasn't a lot of help. These guys were on an island quite a bit. Yeah, that was obviously the game plan. You know, they they, they wanted to show their athleticism there, and and they are a very athletic group. The short stick D midi. That's that's the toughest position in the game, right? To to try to stop. Uh, you know, Dodgers with a short stick is really hard, and they did a nice job for the most part. Um, I think you just got to recognize when you have to go to them because you're going to have to slide eventually. And, and there, was, there were three or four goals where there wasn't a lot of help, and, and so I'm sure that's going to be a little bit of an adjustment for, for Coach this week. But um, but they have the pieces, and I think, as you said earlier, they're just going to get better and better each week. And, and, you know, by the end of the year, they should be a, a really formidable group. I don't think unless you've gone through it, you you understand how difficult it is to play as a freshman. That leap from high school, you know, Jackson Intrieri was an exception last year. He never looked like a freshman. But at midfield, when you had Jack Taylor and Brown and Angle, you know, three young guys jumping into their first college game against Johns Hopkins in that setting, it's a little overwhelming. Yeah, it sure is. I mean, it's it's a huge jump. I mean, the 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 athleticism, the speed, the pace of the game, things are happening so much quicker than, than what you're accustomed to. And that's part of, part of your growth as, as a player, right? From we making that jump from high school to, to college and to get thrown out there and in that type of setting with however many people were there, a few thousand people at the game, a night game against Johns Hopkins, one of the traditional powers in the, in the game. Uh, that's a big jump. So you learn as you go and, and those younger guys are going to be better for it. So it's, it's going to be neat to see this team progress. Chris, when you know you Matt and I were calling the game, and sometimes when you're doing that, you you're not as focused on off ball. You mm-hmm. got to kind of see what's going on. What were your impressions? Uh, you know, bullet points on what Ju did well and what they struggled at. So I think in the first half, Ju it seemed like they were playing much faster uh, than in the second half. That third quarter, I don't in terms know. of like getting the ball in uh, their stick. Or? Yes, they they were mo- whipping the ball around. Sometimes sidearm, just moving the ball like crazy. Um, and it seemed like I don't know, maybe just because third quarter um, they yes. were they didn't get a lot uh, of possession. They were, 0- yeah. they were 0 and six on faceoffs um, in the third quarter, so that I think that slowed them down a bunch, and that hurt a lot. Um, but I, I think if they could keep that intensity and that speed up like they had in the first half, figure out the face-off piece, I mean, I, I think that game is much closer. So, Matt, the long stick middies for Jacksonville, uh, I don't remember calling them too long. It was Hopkins going after the shorties time and time again. Yeah, you know, most teams do that, right? I mean, it's it's the, uh, it's a great opportunity to get the defense rotating, sliding, and, and recovering, so... Um, I thought the polls did a nice job. I thought the close defense did a nice job. And, and you know, the biggest piece was Hopkins was was a lot more poised as the game went on. I think they struggled early. Uh, they were holding the ball a little bit too long, and they made that, that good adjustment in the second half. They were moving the ball a little bit quicker and, and getting good dodging opportunities off a of ball movement. One of the other things, Ray, that I saw in, in just in the stat book is for ground balls in the second half, the disparity was uh, – Johns Hopkins had 26 ground balls. Uh, Ju only had 11. 
And I think that's a huge piece of the game right there, too. Yeah, and, and then you have a goalie making saves and controlling possession. So, you know, it's a game of possession. And, you know, talking about Merciel, and I don't want to, you know, downplay because I, I really thought that Milliken played very well. He had a couple trickle by him early, and I think he started seeing the ball better. But that was one of the best goalie performances that I've seen from Tim Merciel. Yeah, I thought both goalies were, were excellent. So I, mean, I caught some so. grief from the JU alumni. They they were in front of our booth, and they said I was a little too enthusiastic over the goalie play for Hopkins. But listen, I, <laughs> I've been on the other end of that gun, and you know I, I appreciate what he did. Well, he, he, had, he had five or six saves that you don't expect him to make, right? And that's a lot. If you, if you steal a couple in a game, that's great. He probably had five, six, seven that, that he stole, that, that they're, they're at eight, nine yards you know, right down the middle and, and not putting it away. When you're in the middle of it as a coach, do you recognize that, you know, everyone, it seemed to, to me they just kept shooting low. But I, I asked Coach Galloway that question, and he seemed to not, not agree. Do you, what do you think about that? Well, you know, he, he said they tested him high early, and, and he made some good saves. And, and like, like Coach Galloway said, if you, if you make that save up top, as you know, it, the ball's going back the other way quickly. So um, I, I just think that the, as, as shooters, you're always trying to shoot overhand to, to low parts of the net. I mean, that's the best place to score. And I think they continue to do that. And he, he was either guessing correctly or he was seeing the ball really well because he was getting low and away as well as I've seen a goalie do in a long time. I mean, that shot, you know, off – off stick low to his knee or, or ankle is a great shot, and he was getting to him. So yeah. it's impressive. I make no uh, apologies for being a JU fan and kind of a, a homer. I try not to do it on the broadcast, but when I see good lacrosse, you know, I got to recognize it. And all around, I thought Hopkins was really good. Like I watched him play last year. This is a different team. They, they just improved throughout the game, right? I thought they were struggling early. They were holding the ball, uh, at, you know, for long periods and one stick on the offensive end in the first quarter. They couldn't clear the ball very well, right? But second half, they were 100% in the clear, and they were 50% in the first half. So they, they obviously uh, worked hard to improve their game throughout the four quarters, and that's what you hope from your team. Well, if you have a question or comment, you can text us on the text line at 904-641-1010. Call or text us. That's 904-641-1010. We've got Paul Carcaterra coming up. He watched some games yesterday. He's one of ESPN's uh, lead broadcasters for lacrosse. He does some football as well for ESPN. Always always great to catch up with Paul. We're going to talk in the last segment a little bit more about Flagler and uh, some of the action around Division One men's lacrosse, but we're going to go ahead and take a break right now. You're listening to This Week in Lax 904 on 1010XL. <laughs> You're listening to This Week in North Florida Lacrosse on 1010XL. Welcome back to This Week in Lax 904. I'm Ray Carnicelli with Matt Kerwick and Chris Milo. Matt, what are you laughing at over there? I picked the playlist. I think it's pretty darn good. And uh, you were giving me a hard time about American Girl by Tom Petty. No, I How love dare the song. You? How just... dare you, Ray? You know, take, a, take a chance. Go out on a limb a little bit. I want to thank Coach Galloway for joining us in segment one, number one after that uh, you know, tough game last night. It was, a, it was a battle, but his team was young at the midfield, young at the close defense, and they're only going to get better, and they're going to have to jump right into it this week with Duke coming up. We're going to keep it orange and welcome on to the air from ESPN, 
former Syracuse Orangeman, Paul Carcaterra. Carc, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. I uh, appreciate you joining. I was going to uh, try to you know, copy you a little bit and give my guest in studio a haircut, but uh, I didn't have to with <laughs> Coach Kerwick in here today. <laughs> Good stuff. Those days are over, Kark. You know that. So, yeah, you save a lot of money. So, Paul. It's funny, it's funny. I give everyone haircuts, but I pay for my own. Go figure. I give free haircuts, but everyone else. Love it. Uh, you know, get, gets it gets it on the on the arm for me, and I end up paying my barber. So we jumped right into lacrosse season, and uh, here in Jacksonville, they didn't they didn't mess around and ease into it. It was a very strong Johns Hopkins team who looked much improved over last season, and you know Jacksonville is only going to get better. What was your impression of that game? You know, I think Jacksonville will get better, and they'll have some growing pains defensively. The one thing, and I know you guys called the game. I watched it. You all did a a great job. I thought that uh, Hopkins made a conscious effort to attack the short sticks of Jacksonville and the close defense, which is young and a little bit inexperienced. They didn't support the short stick matchups well, and that's why you saw Dylan Bauer with a couple goals. You just saw a lot of these shifty, smaller Hopkins midfielders getting to the rack, and they were kind of unopposed once they got their separation. So, um, I think defensively, Jacksonville needs to, to button up in terms of their communication. They need to slide and understand who's a dodger, who's a passer. You know, a young guy like Dylan Bauer, I mean, he's a junior, but hasn't played a ton for John Hopkins. But if he's a dodging midfielder, I want to see him pass off the dodge and send a little help and make him know it's not going to be easy and comfortable to get to the rack. So I think John Galloway's as smart as anyone. He'll figure that out. But I thought defensively, they just weren't in sync. And there were spots later in that game where they could have cleared the ball and given their offense a little bit more of flow, and they didn't. I didn't think their clearing game was, was great. And that's a lot to do with, with an experienced defense as well. So w- when you're not clearing the ball, your offense isn't getting its touches, uh, you start being a little bit impatient, you don't get into the flow offensively. They've got some really good goal scorers at, at Jacksonville, but those guys need high volume. They need reps. Like guys like Dylan Watson, he needs to shoot ten times a game. I, I don't know his final stat line, but he didn't shoot ten times yesterday. And you know he he's an inside finisher. If you score three, four a game, you're gonna you're gonna shoot thirty, forty percent. You're gonna need those ten shots, and they just didn't get into the flow offensively. Um, and I, and I think a lot has to do with a, an experienced defense. Paul, when you look at the Division One landscape right now, I, you know, I mentioned it to Coach Galloway with Duke coming in. You've got teams like Notre Dame and Duke who are just angry and kind of on, uh, you know, their vengeance tour coming up after not making the tournament last season. And you know, everyone's expecting Maryland and Virginia to be great, and you know, Ohio State and Georgetown. It is to me, I trying to pick who's going to be at the Final Four is going to be as tough as ever. What are your thoughts on the D one landscape? You just mentioned a couple of big-time programs. I think Notre Dame's built to win a national championship. If you look at if you look at their team, I think Chris Cavanaugh, the younger Cavanaugh, was able to play a quarterback position in the fall because Pat was injured. I think he grew up a lot. He's gained 15 pounds. When you have two dodging attackmen, it just changes things. It allows you to do things a little bit different while you're not always relying on that number one because there's a lot of good number one lockdown defenders. Guys like Will Bowen and Brett Maycard Gavin Adler, those guys are, are lockdown defenders. And if, if your number one isn't beating them, like where are you getting your dodging presence from attack? And I think Notre Dame has two Dodgers at attack. They have a seasoned goalie in Liam Entman. I, I think this team is built. Like this is probably Kevin Corrigan's best chance to 
to win a national title. You know, he had some some great teams in the past, but I think everything is, is scripted towards this team, if you ask me, because I think they were snubbed last year. They were winning and playing great lacrosse. The one X factor that I think will hurt them is, is Jake Taylor, their inside finisher. I thought he changed their offense last year. He blew his knee out in the offseason, supposed to come back later in the year. He's not a guy that needs a lot of mobility, but I think he, he kind of just set the stage in terms of the spacing on the offense. The team that you didn't mention um, that I think is going to be in the mix is Yale. Yale has all the pieces. And, you know, Matt Brandau almost had a, you know, a 100-point season a year ago. The kid Leo Johnson, who was a sophomore now as a freshman, scored almost 70 points. I think he's going to be, like, the, the biggest surprise in college lacrosse in terms of taking his game to the next level. I heard he had six goals and four assists in a scrimmage yesterday against Fairfield. So I think they have that one-two dodging punch at attack that makes it's made Yale really good in the past. Like, when, when they won a national title, they had Ben Reeves, and Jackson Morrill, two guys behind the cage, quarterback one, quarterback two, and that's the way they want to play offense. Um, that's a team that you really have to watch, and they have the entire team back next year too, including Brandau. I don't think it's really been, um, you know, uh, on the on the on the headlines, but I think his plan is to come back next year for a sixth year. And everyone says you can't do that at the Ivies, but I think he's withdrawn from school multiple times to to slow his okay. Is his four years of, of lacrosse because you can't be a grad student playing in, in the Ivy League. That's just the rule they have. But I think he's been able to, to navigate that. This team literally has everyone in place for the next two years. So I'm anxious to see, see Yale along with those other teams like Maryland, obviously. That's going to win differently this year. I thought offensively they were the best offense by a country mile a year ago. They lost five of their top six scores, but they have the best defense in the country. And I think Logan McNaney is, is one of the most underrated goalies out there. He just doesn't get the the, the press that he probably deserves, and they have they have really good defenders in Brett Makar and Ajax Zapatello. So that that's a team that's built. Obviously, uh, Virginia is with Schellenberger and all those horses they have down there. Georgetown's the interesting team to me because I think talent wise they haven't it's the deepest team they probably ever had. The issue with Georgetown is once they get an in conference play, they don't really play a ton of tough teams, and, and I think you know in in April and. In early May, you want to be battle-tested. You want to see lacrosse at its highest level. I don't know if they're going to be able to to, to find that type of competition. And you could argue it hurt them last year when they went to round one and lost to Delaware. Paul, we got three New Yorkers on this uh, in the studio here today. And you know, being a, growing up a Syracuse fan, you know, still follow them closely. They had some shooting issues yesterday, but where do you think they are in the approve in, in the improvement uh, scale? Are they are they going to be better than last year? Yeah, look, it doesn't it doesn't take much to be better than last year. They had the worst season like in program history in a hundred years. They won four games, so yes, they will be better. But I think better with a sense of hope for for a future of of competing for national titles again. Their freshman class is fantastic, and their new goalie Will Mark, who's a, a transfer from LIU, and he was an All American, a Division One All American. Uh, with the most saves in the country a year ago. He was fantastic yesterday. I think he had 13 saves, five goals against. He's a massive upgrade for them in the cage, and they're going to need him to, to play that type of lacrosse because, you know, Coach Kerwick will tell you when, when you're not winning faceoffs, which I don't think they're going to win a ton of faceoffs in the ACC, like you have to find ways to get possessions, and you can steal some in the cage. And between faceoffs and goaltending, if you can combine the two and get 100%, you know, 50% in the cage, 50%. At the dot, yeah, you're you're going to be in a great spot, and I think Will Mark's probably going to have to to make games where he's 
you know, saving close to 60 if they're only winning 40%. So I think he's a massive upgrade. The offense, I think, is drastically different, schematically speaking. And you really didn't see it yesterday. I went to a practice in the fall when I was covering the Virginia-Syracuse football game, and I was so impressed with the ball movement. The ball kind of died yesterday, and if you watch Coach Gates' press conference uh, after, he, he made notice of that, too. Like, this isn't the way that they've been playing in practice. And I saw it with my own eyes. Like, the ball's going to spin it's got a lot of like Canadian influence with guys like Alex Simmons and Owen Hiltz and Finn Thompson, the freshman who made like two or three incredible plays yesterday. I think I think this offense is going to be much much better. And, and Petro in year two coaching the defense, they're speaking his language more. So yeah, I, I look at this team as, as dramatically better as a team uh, than a year ago. Are they at the spot right now where they're going to make a run at the Final Four? I, I don't know. I think realistically getting to the tournament and seeing what happens is, is probably something that's, that, that's more in sight. Kark, uh, the, the young man wearing number 22 now, wearing, wearing Gary's jersey out there. Um, he's got the green light, obviously. He had, uh, what, 15 shots yesterday? So uh, I guess coming out of the gate, taking 15 shots is a, in your first game as a rookie, that's, that's, that's having the green light, right? So what do you, what do you think about his game? Yeah, look, I, I think Joey Spelina is an incredible talent. He's the top recruit in the country for a reason. He you know, scored 500 points on Long Island and has, has the most career points uh, in, in that storied region's history. So he, he didn't he didn't play he didn't play well yesterday. He'd probably be the first to tell you that. You know, listening to the press conference, I think Gary kind of made, made notice that he was a little bit off script. Um, Joey Spelina is at his best when the ball is flying around and he can make quick dodges off of ball movement not when he has the ball in his stick and he goes on these long dodges and you know the good news is he's he was getting his shots off he could have easily canned a few of those I thought he was able to get separation but I think the way that they want to play offense is that he's behind the cage as a big time feeder he's facilitating and he's dodging off of quick ball movement not these long tight dodges so yeah it wasn't an ideal situation for him um you know, week one of his freshman campaign, but we live in a really twisted society. I'm convinced that half of lacrosse world was probably smiling that he struggled a little bit. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy these days, especially if you go on social media and like you, you think the world is, is coming to an end in terms yeah. of uh, Joey Spelino and in, in Syracuse lacrosse. Like everyone needs to take a deep breath, relax. The kid will be fine. He loves the game way too much. He works way too hard not to figure this out. And Gary Gates, is a lot like Roy Simmons in the sense he'll probably put his arm around Joey on Monday. He'll probably chuckle a little bit, making a little bit of light or joke about shooting one for 15. And they're going to figure it out. They're going to figure it out. But like lacrosse Twitter and the lacrosse world right now, like that's all people are talking about. Like people like to celebrate other people's failure more than their successes. It's just not the way that I was raised. You got to obviously, you know, you got to call the obvious when you're breaking games down. And I, and I'm willing and able to do that. He struggled yesterday, but people jumped to conclusion, calling the kid a bust, this, that, and the other thing. It's twisted. Paul, just uh, from a broadcasting standpoint, what are your assignments coming up? Uh, so I have, I have Virginia against Michigan. Um, that's, that's my first game. And that will be next Saturday uh, down in Virginia. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. You know, I think uh, Virginia obviously comes in with a ton of preseason hype. Michigan returns essentially their entire team from a year ago. Um, but they've, they've taken a, a, a drastic kind of 
different approach in terms of scheduling. If you look at their schedule uh, a year ago, they you know they they were accused of having some cupcakes when they started off seven and zero. Then they lost eight straight. So I think Coach Conry probably made a conscious effort to say let's start scheduling tough off the bat and let's see where this team is. And they're playing the number one team in the nation, so you're going to find out who they are in a scrimmage. I heard they struggled a little bit against Syracuse, um, and Syracuse was up maybe five, six goals in the third quarter when, when they pulled the starters, but a scrimmage is a scrimmage. Um, so I, I think this is a really critical year for, for Michigan. These are all Conry's recruits. Uh, they've been in the system long enough. A lot of these guys were recruited by a ton of big schools. Uh, you you want to see that team take the next step. But if you look at the Big Ten, like there's only so many wins in that conference. You have Maryland's going to be Maryland, right? And, and Rutgers is is blowtorching teams in the preseason and just, you know, just put a complete smackdown on, uh, on, on Marist yesterday. And, and they have tons of tons of guys back from a year ago. And I think they're going to be really good. I think Ohio State is probably maybe the most underrated team in the country along with St. Joe's. I think St. Joe's is one of those like dark horse teams that could, could probably surprise teams down the stretch. Um, so the Big Ten's loaded. Like, where are the wins? You guys loved Hopkins yesterday. They looked really good and improved. Penn State supposedly has a couple of good transfers who are in that have a lot of experience under their belt. Like, where are the wins in this conference? So it's going to be tough for Michigan. And, and, I, and I think, obviously, going down to Charlottesville is a huge, huge ask for them. But I'm, I'm more curious, not so much about what happens next week. I want to see them compete. I want to see the type of team they are. But I, I'm really anxious to see, like, how they respond in the, in the Big Ten because last year was, it was a bit of a disaster for them. Well, Paul, it's, it's a fun time to uh... – being around lacrosse here in North Florida, Flagler College's Division II program had their uh, first game last week uh, of the season. Uh, JU had Hopkins and a few thousand people in attendance. It was a pretty wild scene. We talked to Coach Galloway about that. Next week, Duke comes in. Uh, so it's it's a lot of fun, and we appreciate you always taking time to, to join our show. And um, you know, best of luck with your call next week, and we'll be following along to uh, you all season. Thanks so much. Keep up the great work, Jen. That was Paul Carcaterra of ESPN. You know, Chris, you've mentioned this before. These guys, like we've had Mark Dixon on and Quint Kessenick and Paul Carcaterra. Those mm-hmm. are my, my three favorites. They they always find a way to come on. Uh, I don't have to, to beg them. They, you know, it's Sunday morning. I'm sure he's got other things to do, but to take some time for us, it's, uh, it's, it's makes it a lot of fun for me to do the show. Yeah, and it, it's great to hear from them and, and, and what their thoughts are on the season, especially their thoughts on Jacksonville. So uh, I always love just kind of sitting back and, and listening to your questions and then what they say. But, um, you know, we talked about Flagler. Um, we didn't really talk about the game too much just yet. Uh, what are your thoughts? I know they lost 11-10, to 10, a little bit of a slow start, but they came back. Uh, what's your just kind of overall thoughts on the game? Yeah, it was it was a great game. I I called that one and talk about an amazing scene in a night game. That field was lined with people all the way around it. Um, you know, probably a couple thousand people there at that facility, maybe a thousand. Um, but you know, I saw Coach Emmer there, talked to him. Uh, just loves getting out there. He's he's talked to Duncan's team. Um, how would you, Matt? How would you expect Duncan to play? And I'll tell you if that's the way it happened. Okay, so test me here. Uh, that's that's too easy. They're 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 going to be in your face uh, yes. for sixty minutes. Check. Uh, they're going to be diving for end lines, sprinting for ground balls check, all over check. the field, double teaming whenever they want to. 
and um, just just aggressive. It was it was fast paced. Exactly, it was fun to watch, and a lot of times you'll see a, a team riding, and when the opponents get towards the midfield line, they'll settle back in on defense, and they were they were riding right into the restraining area and double teaming any time that somebody ran into a bad spot. It was really fun to watch, and it was a thriller. You know, Flagler was was down by two goals, probably a minute and a half left, and you know you got the shot clock and. Emery Riddle was trying to kill the game, and Dunk got aggressive with his double teams, and Coach King had his guys all over flying around the field, and they, they took the ball away and went down and scored. And then they got the ball back again, forced a turnover with about 30 seconds left, went down the field, ball was on the ground, they got some good offensive ground balls, they called a timeout with 4.6 seconds left. And I was like, I don't know if they've got enough time to get a good playoff, but in your mind, Coach, a sideline – restart with 4.6 seconds plenty of time that's a little tight but uh you can definitely set something up and and try to you know get somebody uh moving off a pick on the inside and freeing up his hands that, that's, that's exactly that's what happened time. that's exactly yeah. what happened they had a uh pick off the back pipe and ty tom dynamic player made a nice cut off the pick ball got to his stick on the crease got the shot off and it just went over the goal as time expired. It was a thriller, but I'm excited. I was excited to call that game. I'm going to be back-to-back again this week, Friday night at Flagler for Palm Beach Atlantic, call it another night game at 7 p.m., and then back at it with Duke and Syracuse. Matt, it was fun calling the game with you. Let's talk about that for a minute, the the Johns Hopkins game yesterday. I had I had a great time, Ray. It's 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 really refreshing to see how, how serious you take it, how, how professional you are with the whole – approach to these games and and Jacksonville is very lucky to have you so oh, thanks Matt so to be be a part of that last night and and uh see the whole scene at, at JU and, and to to call the game was was it was awesome for me I really enjoyed it and, and the teams played as hard as they could for as long as they could and that's what you hope to see as 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 a fan and as somebody who's who's in the booth with you so uh, I enjoyed it you know, around Division One yesterday, there were there were a lot of lopsided games. Um, talk about a few of the A Sun games. That's Jacksonville's conference. Denver defeated Utah twelve to four. And Denver's another team that uh, could be scary good this year. Um, you know, outside, you know, the big upset. I think not necessarily an upset, but VMI defeating Detroit Mercy. VMI's continually gotten better. Last year, they made the Southern Conference Final Four and gave JU a pretty good game in that semifinal, and they defeated you know Detroit Mercy, who's a good program, 14-11. to 11. Uh, Is there anything that jumped out at you from yesterday's scores? Uh, there are a couple that, that uh, I was a little surprised by. Rutgers putting up 20 on Marist. You know, Marist is considered a pretty pretty solid squad this year. They'll be down so, here in a couple weeks. Yeah, so I think Rutgers is uh, as advertised. And, and, you know, Maryland beating, beating Richmond 15-4, to four, you know, it's just incredible what – what what Tills is doing, Coach Tillman up at Maryland, they just kind of reload every year, and and they're just so solid defensively. I mean, to to beat them by eleven goals, Richmond's a pretty stout defensive group year in and year out. So um, you know, Maryland is is right where you expect them to be, and it's 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 just really impressive that they just keep doing what they're doing, game in and game out with with very little change. You know, we we try to follow all of the local alumni playing in college. There's 19 Division One players right now, Matt, from the 904 area code. And you you mentioned 
Reed Smith, or you mentioned Davis Smith, but Reed Smith had a nice game. He was on the field a lot running that second yeah. midfield. So the two Smith brothers were representing 904 pretty well. But that 19 number, does that surprise you? It's really awesome to see, right? Because, you know, I think we had we had a hand in that, right? When we started uh, JU's program in 2010 to see the growth in this area and, and what it has done to, to have a Division One program and all these great teams coming down to JU to play over the last – 12 years has had an impact, right? So uh, that and all the great coaches that are in the area, you know, so many, so many guys that have, that have committed to uh, growing their programs in, in the Jacksonville area. Um, a lot of transplants that have moved down here, right? But, uh, but they have built great programs and, and the level of play out of um, the first coast is, uh, is really impressive to see. And you're seeing the, uh, the Division One guys succeeding now, and it's it's because of that growth in the area. You know, Bucknell defeated Mercer twenty to six yesterday, and Ashton Wood uh, scored a, scored the opening goal as he does off the faceoff, and then he went down with an injury. So Ooh. we'll keep an eye on that. But he was four for six at the faceoff spot uh, going in uh, when he when he got That's injured, and and then you know they started losing faceoffs. You know, with the backup guys, no, there's not a lot of guys. Of Ashton Woods quality and he's he's a dynamic player and yeah he's so, a guy that I've, I've been looking at for for the uh, PLL yeah you know I, I wanted to keep an eye on this year so I hope he's going to be fine I hope it's not a, a serious injury because he's got a future to it uh, maybe at the highest level so Chris you know we, don't, we haven't pivoted towards high school at all how are how are things over at PV uh, things are going great uh, practices uh, from 6 45 a.m up until about 8.15, 8.30 every morning out on the turf at uh, Davis Park because we don't have um, enough field space just yet. Soccer is still playing, so when soccer finishes their season, we'll pop over to the practice field, but things are going great. The uh, The varsity team is stacked with a lot of players, a lot of young players, a lot of sophomores that are going to be getting quality game time, uh, a lot of juniors. Um, Lad Harper is is. I know he gives fits to everybody, and, and sorry to tell everybody, but he's still only a junior. So we got this year and next year to face, face off. Again. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's tough. Yeah, and, one of the best in the country. And Maddox Johnson's back. Um, Maddox Johnson's seems like back. he's been. Well, I think he started as a freshman, so yep. he's finally a senior. He's he's, he's a dynamic player. Yeah, he's committed to, to committed to Denver. So he's yep. going to play out at uh, the Mile High with Joe Terraboletti, who graduated last year. So, so uh, tons of talent on the team here. You know, we've got two classifications in Florida now, big school, small school. Bowles is uh, considered a small school with Coach West over at Bowles and Coach Polanski at Pontevedra. And both of those teams have national schedules this year. They're bringing in state champions from, I think, three or four different states. Wow. And, uh, you know, the high school lacrosse, the, the big question is PV and Bowles, they don't play, so we're, never, we're not going to answer that question. But then who? And that's that's what I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Um, you know, it's typically been Creekside right there, but I don't know. They're they're young, uh, but Coach Alford will get them coached up. I'm, I'm sure. Uh, to be honest with you, I I, I don't want to make anybody mad, uh, but I don't but, see anybody locally uh, giving Pontevedra or Bulls any real games. I know years in the past we talked about running time. I feel like it's gotten back to that. Um, it's sad to say, but it's just going to be it's it's going to be well, tough. For I, I every hope other team. I, I do hope you get uh, proven wrong, but time will tell. But it doesn't mean there's not great games. You know, you put yeah. you put Nice. We talked to Coach Gorowski yesterday, one of your former players, Matt, and he was really excited about 
his team. He said, don't sleep on Nice, don't sleep on Nice. So those those games with Nice and Episcopal and Bartram Trail and St. Augustine and Fle- uh, Fleming Island and all these schools, it's uh, there's going to be some competition. And the fact that we just mentioned that is good, probably going to get some people fired up and good. Well, like you said, all the time. I mean, I know I've I've made Coach Galloway upset a bunch of times by – you know, speaking my mind here, but again, hopefully everybody proves me wrong. That's, you know, that's kind of why sometimes I say the stuff that I say is prove me wrong. I went to the, uh, the game at plant last year being down in Tampa and, uh, PV at plant. And it was a heck of a lacrosse game. It mm-hmm. was up and down and, uh, I don't Good know if it went to play. overtime yeah. or it was like a one goal game for sure. And, and some great athletes out there running around in, in this area. So, um, everybody's getting better and, and it seems like the top teams are the top dogs right now but uh you know it's only going to continue to improve as as the coaching improves and and the depth of talent is is growing so matt you're currently the offensive coordinator for the pll's chrome what's it like being on the sidelines in 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 professional lacrosse in terms of speed and quality uh it's it's um it's eye-opening you know it's pretty incredible to be on the sideline with the top players in the world um they First of all, the, the commitment level is is right where it should be. The, these guys are all in um, in terms of their fitness, their training, their strength. You know, working on their game because it's not a it's not a full time gig, right? It's it's you get together on a Friday night, you practice, and you play a game on Saturday. Um, you have a two week or a week and a half of of training camp to kick it off in June. So that's where you really do a lot of your. Uh, you know, your input and, and putting all your, your X's and O's together and what you want to be as a team. But um, but the level of play, it, it blows me away every time. I mean, the speed, the pace of it, the the, the skill set of these guys just slinging the ball around and um, the defensive players, the, the short stick D middies are, are just incredible athletes. And um, it, it is, uh, if you haven't watched much of it, you know, because it's out in the summertime, I highly recommend it, it that the level of play and the compete level these guys are getting after each other. Um, it, it is as good as it gets. You know, in, in terms of scheduling, we mentioned you know Jacksonville University has uh, Duke coming up. They're ranked number seven in the country, and obviously the rankings will get shuffled a little bit this week. But then uh, another home game against Marist on the 18th, then up to Charlotte, North Carolina for a neutral site game against High Point. So Hopkins, Duke, Marist, and High Point, um, pretty tough schedule right there. And then, then there's uh, there's some, you know, a couple of games that you fully hope and expect Jacksonville to win, UMass Lowell and St. John's before they get into conference play. Uh, I want to thank our sponsors, the M Shack, First Coast Crush Lacrosse, Cantina Louie, Derek Prince, Realtor. Matt. So much fun having you in town. Uh, come up anytime. We've got a bunch of games scheduled to broadcast. Can we get you back up and maybe play play some golf? I would love to do that. Let's get golfing next time. And that Duke game is going to be awesome next week. O'Neal and, and Williams on attack. Go watch those guys play against JU. It's going to be a battle. Chris, are you suiting up today? I know you're heading over to JU for some Florida Lacrosse League action. I'm suiting up to coach, okay. not to play. Well, good luck. Don't get hurt on the sidelines. For Matt Kerwick, for Christopher Milo, I want to thank – Coach Galloway, Paul Carcaterra, all of our sponsors. Follow me on Twitter at Lax904. I am Ray Carnicelli. Have a great day.